gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Wing F1 podcast. I'm Freddie. I'm back on the pod after a few weeks away, and I'm joined by the lovely Nigel Chu. We were going to have the three of us back, um, but unfortunately, uh, to just some... Is it unfortunately? <laughs> no, unfortunately, Adam isn't around because um, of just some timings. He's in Nottingham and he says his Wi-Fi is too bad to do it. That's his excuse. Unacceptable, I think. Yeah, Nigel has done it when the Wi-Fi's been worse than it was in the Middle Ages. But anyway, (laughs) um, if Adam's a guest of someone, we don't want to intrude. We'll wish him a lovely time and we'll see him back soon. Unfortunately, as you'll be aware, listener, um, with Nigel and I not being at university anymore and being... um, full-time employed it makes it a bit harder to do these but we're gonna endeavor to do this and um the summer break may well be a bit of a summer break um, <laughs> but who knows um yeah. we'll see how it goes but we're here to talk about the french grand prix not about us um even though we love talking about ourselves um but the french grand prix yes um nigel what did you make of what could well be the last race at poor car I thought it was a good race. I think the first, you know, 18, 19 laps before Leclerc unfortunately crashed were incredible. They were pushing each other so hard. They were getting away from the field. That is the kind of like modern F1 that I absolutely love. You know, two of the top drivers pushing each other lap for lap. And it was just such a shame we were robbed of a race-long fight, I think, because I think that's what would have happened. I think Leclerc... You know, they would have been on different strats, slightly different strategies, with a clear on fresher tyres. Maybe a two-stop would have come into play or maybe not, but we'll never know. And we were kind of uh, short-lived, uh, really. Instead of a 53-lap fight, we got 18 or 19 laps instead. But it was still a good race. It was even after the clear crash. There was some, lots of incidents and action. Yeah, I completely agree. It was it was a race that never was, really. Mm. Um but it was enjoyable following the the obvious turning point. Um, I think, obviously, we should go straight into it, really, because and talk about <laughs> that turning point, which was exactly what happened to Charles Leclerc when he spun, when he dropped it coming into Le Bose, Turn 11? 10? Yes. 11. 11. Of poorer car. Who knows? I mean, it's turn 11, 12, 10, 14, 1006, depending on what layout you do. Um, but it was on lap 17 or 18, I want to say. Max Stappen just pitted. Obviously, you will know this. And it had got to the point where sort of we just really figured out the strategy that Ferrari were playing, which was an offset strategy. Um, we didn't know. It looked like they were going to go for a one-stop or at least an offset two-stop. It looked like at the time Red Bull were going to go for a, um, a two-stop, definitely, but it turns out they were going to do a one-stop anyway. So even if that had occurred, it would have been a Ferrari hunt late in the race for, led by Charles Leclerc anyway. And it was becoming clear that that would be the state of play because Max had got into the 26s in the gap and the pit lane loss was close to 30 seconds, to be honest. Um, and then... He didn't do anything different. He probably, previous laps, he just, he he ran out wide on the corner as everyone does, a long right-hander that tightens up a bit like a really annoying version of the really annoying first corner at China um, crossed with Luffield at Silverstone um, in the way that it just kind of just edges the car. It's like, come on, let me grip, let me grip. And, it 
just snapped and went and the abrasive surface and the the, uh, the poorer car stripes meant that it didn't have as hard a hit in the wall but he wasn't able to continue he was out of the race he somehow found the wall at poorer car and <laughs> it was just an awful mistake wasn't it yeah it was and uh, it's uh, it's just so annoying i mean the thing is he's only made two mistakes this year in Mula and this but the problem is they've both been quite costly this you know if you add it all up he's probably lost at least 30 odd points uh and against verstappen he doesn't really make any mistakes apart from the spin spin uh apart from that you know it's you can't afford to be doing those mistakes that's what made last year you know looking back now how much never happened they did not make any of these unforced errors let's say even though the title fight was so intense so ferocious they didn't make those kind of errors whereas Leclerc has Leclerc has twice and uh, there's nothing you can do about it you, you can't really practice that situation when the pressure's at its highest when you have to push and the tyres are you know on, on the limit so you can't really you know there's, there's, it's not like someone can tell him where to improve or how to do something better it's just something he has to try and not do and just you know it will, that, that situation will only come about again when you know it might be next race it might be two or three races down the line uh but yeah it's not good 63 points behind is a long way to come back from uh and with ferrari's other issues as well it's going to be difficult for Leclerc. Uh, and like I said, it's just such a shame because he was driving so well up until then. You know, to keep Verstappen behind, I think most of the drivers would have lost out to Verstappen because Leclerc didn't over-defend. He only defended once until Lebeau That was at the right time as well because Verstappen was going to dive down the inside. Other than that, he didn't over-defend. He didn't defend into the chicane like a few other drivers did, like Russell did, for instance, later in the race and then compromised his exit. He didn't do any of that. So he was driving such a good race up until then. So just a massive shame. Totally, totally, completely agree with that. Um, it was a massive shame and he was driving excellently. And there'd been so much talk about whether Ferrari's um, contra, strat- contra setup strategy to Red Bull was going to work, or whether Red Bull was going to be able to just to breeze past like they were able to early in the season. And, you know, it was working because they were able to pull so much. I think the stat I've heard, was that through Lebose, the corner where Leclerc crashed, that uh, at points in that, but the, the average amount of speed that they were able to take through that was higher than the Rebels was 15 kilometers an hour through that one corner. That's insane. And you'd look through sector three, you look at the gap, and obviously you say that Verstappen obviously forced him to defend rightly at points there. And he was still able to be at eight tenths when they were crossing yeah. the line from a two tenths, three tenths gap. And that's insane that they're. They managed to play it really well. It's proper old um, 2011 Red Bull tactics, to be honest, mm, yeah. um, that, that, that were working against them. It's just he dropped it. He dropped it. And that's what she wrote, to be honest. So um, there's not really much to say on that, apart from how do you think it would have played out? It's impossible to say. I, th- I think he would have won. I, I think he had the pace. I think Ferrari... Yeah, oh, for me, Ferrari had a slight. Well, actually, they were pretty equal in France. Uh, I don't know. I think he. I think he would have. I think he would have gone up to, you know, five, six laps longer, perhaps, and that is a quite big tire delta. 
and I think he could have attacked. Would he have been able to do anything about Red Bull straight line speed? Not sure. But I had a feeling that he would have won. Yeah, I had a feeling that he could have done a nice little move into turn three or into the final corner. Mm, I kind yeah. of thought, I was thinking kind of, well, actually, we're seeing a little bit of racing around here. And that's where the car's strong. That could be very interesting. And then he crashed. Um, yeah. Which put put um, hay to that. And, you know, the final corner at Magni Core anyway for 2024 is pretty good for um, last lap overtakes. You just have to, um, for a Ferrari, you just have to ask Rubens Barrichello. What a what a what a throwback that what was. year was that? Two thousand and four, and because they sacked Yano Trulli because of it. Um, what memorable season that was, eh? Two thousand four. Yeah. Up there with twenty fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, two of the seasons I I probably used had my my most kind of knowledge of F one from, if that makes sense. Anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> 2015 was one of the first seasons I properly watched as a nerd, and 2004 was when I was a kid, it was when I was first probably like, oh, F1. Um, well, actually, it was probably before that, but anyway. Um, there we go. There's an insight for you guys. Um, but yeah, that's enough Charles Leclerc commiseration, because we, I think we all wanted Leclerc to win that race for the title fight. Nigel and I's neutrals root for the, root for the um, three-point gap, not the 63-point gap. And it's, it's, it's a huge gap, I think. Um, if we try and crunch the numbers in modern point system, obviously that's not being closed. If we try and figure it out for old point system, um, it's about a 25, 26 point gap, I think. Um, so I don't know if that's been closed in the old point system. I can't remember any of the Schumacher hacking gaps and stuff like that. Well, whatever it is, the problem is Red Bull and Verstappen, that combination is a massive well it's probably the you know toughest thing to beat because the only Verstappen is not going to make any mistakes Red Bull's reliability seems to be okay Verstappen could also play things a bit safer that's the you know that's the problem even if Ferrari have the fastest car for the next, for the final 10 races it doesn't really matter especially if they're gonna you know Ferrari is still gonna have problems they could have grid penalties as well Leclerc has got to take a grid penalty at some point yeah. as well so it, it, you know, that, that is the problem, really. Verstappen can kind of afford to already play Rosberg. Um, yeah. Which is insane for where the title fight is. in term, Well, where the season is. Um, but anyway, arguably, we've had one of the biggest turning points in the season already, unless Leclerc can bring it back. And if he wins every race and Verstappen is allowed, it gets like, only gets like three or four fastest laps when he's in second, then who knows? Um but that would be that would be a hell of a, a comeback. Um, that would be very, very movie. Um, but anyway, um, we should touch on the winner, obviously, Max Verstappen. He was always in threat to Ferrari, let's be honest. I mean, we can sit here and say how good Ferrari were until they weren't. Um, Red Bull were always in threat and they were always closing and they were always close to the win and they were the pre-race favourite and that's that is what that's his seventh win of the year yes I think yes something like that um but yeah I mean do you reckon has he got hands two hands on the trophy yet or is it just one then <laughs> I mean he's got a finger on it I, I'm not uh-huh. you know, I, I don't get too ahead of myself uh, but like I said he apart from that one mistake in Spain he's driven 
pretty well. And the gap to Perez, the, like the race based difference between Verstappen and Perez, was you know pretty big this weekend. Even though Perez did get close in qualifying, which yeah, credit for in the race, Verstappen was you know quite a bit ahead. Uh, so you know he, he just he doesn't have any weaknesses. I think. You know, Hamilton and Verstappen, they don't have any weaknesses. Well, but you know, right now, I'd say Verstappen doesn't have a weakness. And if you're up against someone like that, how do you beat them? You've got to have the best car, and you've got to not bin it. So, there. <laughs> I think you're right. He's untouchable. He's untouchable. And you kind of... You, you, I, I put it this way, like, if it was Max Verstappen who had the 63-point gap at this point, but Rebel were operating so well, I would trust them to yeah. be in this fight. I don't in the way that I don't trust Ferrari. Um, not because of Leclerc, more because of the team. This is kind of a side of it, but I, I, I can trust Verstappen to, if he makes a mistake, to, to for it to not be a costly mistake. But I, I don't have that level of faith in Leclerc at the moment, and um, obviously that's because Leclerc is such an aggressive driver. If you want to just watch. Um, the pole lap from Singapore in 2019. That's how you learn how Leclerc drives, and that's how you learn how Leclerc can crash so easily. But anyway, um, I think Verstappen just, even though he's so aggressive, he's he's deft and yeah. he's aggressive with such poise, which I think is in, what's made him very so impressive this year. Um, and I mean, I, I think I think. It, Obviously, obviously, it's his to lose, but I think it's hard to see anyone else winning it now. To be honest, yeah, I, I think he's mature. He's well, he matured last year, but he's like properly matured now. We saw that with mm-hmm. you know the 15, 16 laps when he was attacking Leclerc. He didn't go for a silly dive. He just kept mm-hmm. the pressure on, knowing that you could either get him in the pit stop phase or yeah. knowing that he could pressurize him into some kind of mistake. And one of those two things happened. So he's just got that smart head now and he knows he doesn't have to race stupidly like he did at, did at times last year. Uh, so that is the difference. And obviously his speed of talent is just top. So there's just, yeah, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, he's just, he's just so difficult to, to, you know, beat. Yeah, you get those kind of talismanic people through mm. sport. You think, God, how is that person beatable you had it with Marquez in MotoGP I seem to think is kind of the one I think of the most um for that kind of thing it's just like well well he's just going to win there's no way he can't yeah. win and if this happen gets in the lead of a race you kind of get the feeling well that uh, that's it um <laughs> yeah um at the moment um so yeah that's that's why he's doing so well that's why he won the race and it's so well deserved uh, joining him on the podium was obviously a double Merck podium, the first time since uh, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, you're right. Um, with uh, Hamilton last year, Saudi Arabia, obviously, not yeah, last year. Sure, <laughs> um, Hamilton second, Russell third, both drove very well. Hamilton, in particular, in my opinion. Um, and well deserved podium for both of them. The team really kind of. The car seems to really come alive when, when it's on heavy fuel, which is awful for when yeah. qualifying. But yeah, it's a race car. Oh, sorry, I was afraid of my my internet one then. Uh, oh, no, I'll talk about right. Mercedes. I'll just talk about Mercedes. Talk about Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, I thought Alonso had 
Hudson had a great weekend as well. Uh, he's he's had a, he's been on it the last three or four races actually. Uh, and yeah, he got a good start. Took advantage of Perez not, you know, quite being at one with the car it seemed, and then he did his usual tire management gloriness, I guess. And then yeah, Russell made it a bit harder. Uh, but then he managed to jump Perez with a bit of luck because of the virtual safety car. So, yeah, I think Houghton has maximised his results in the last four races since Canada, uh, and it's paying off. And I think he's going to win this weekend. <laughs> so, well, yeah, that's Hungary. my prediction. Hungary. We'll get to the Hungary chat at the end. Let's save that. But um, you're stealing my thunder. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he's driven really well. He's in a really good run of form. He seems to have. I think it's so underappreciated the amount of work Hamilton does away from um, the car and away from the just the, the session because I think his return to social media this year has really kind of given us he's given us a bit more with that. He obviously, there's so many pictures of him in the paddock at one in the morning and him in the simulator before the race, even on Friday morning of Silverstone and that kind of thing. He's in the sim. And yeah. he's just going for it, going for it, going for it. And I think he's really just worked harder to turn around his form, and he really has. And I think you're right. Since Canada, he's been he's been brilliant. And yeah, the, the rubber fortune has been there in a way that it was there for Russell last time, last time around um, earlier in the season. But you know that's because what goes around comes around. Um, but Hamilton, I think, has been excellent. I think oh, that's my dog. Um, well, the dog, kind of your dog thinks, thinks the same thing. <laughs> yeah, he thinks the same thing. I can't even stop him barking now. Um, Monty, what do you think? I'm not doing an impression of a dog. I'm going to throw him outside my room. One second. I'll mute myself and Nigel can talk about George Russell. Yeah, Russell. Well, I want to speak about the incident actually with Russell. Because uh, I'm interested to see what Freddie thinks. Because there were two incidents. There was one, the one with the at the chicane, and then there was a virtual safety car one. Uh, the virtual safety car, if people don't know, uh, it basically got reset, so that's why it was ending for twice as long as it should have, and Russell took advantage of that, and Perez lost out. Perez is a bit annoyed at that. Uh, he thought he was stoned, basically, but the incident at the chicane, Russell was complaining that Perez turned in on him. I just can't agree with it. I think Russell completely forced him off the track. That's how I see it. I don't see how Russell can complain. If anything, Russell should have got a penalty, I think, for that. Because, you know, we see that we saw it in Austria when the stewards were being quite harsh with, uh, you know, drivers pushing each other off the track and being, being over-aggressive. Uh, and I think, for me, that's what Russell did. He went right to the edge of the track Force Perez off. So, if anything, he should have got the penalty. I think, you know, calling it race incident is also just about okay. But I can't see why Russell can have any complaints about that. For me, he went down the inside, wasn't even ahead at any point, and forced him off. So, that's my take of it. I know exactly what you mean. I completely agree. And I think Russell's complaining was um, kind of a bit kind of just hang on a second, take a, take a step back. You'd send to dive bomb. And went to the edge. Yes, you got it stopped, and yes, you stayed in the track, and that's fine. But the way you, way it resulted was obviously Perez was forced off the track, and you know I think if it had been gravel, Russell would have got a penalty. To be honest, because Perez if it was Verstappen, think about the, the different reaction, like the 
would have been. I know like we're in Britain and bias and that, but it would have been a completely different reaction. I'm hundred percent sure of it. Oh, of course, it would have been. Um, like that was an absolute send, and it was you know, it's one of those really interesting ones because yes, he got it stopped, but it's just the way he rolled out afterwards. If that makes sense, yeah, and. I think there there was a lot more that could have been kind of, I think I think yeah Mercedes are very good with the way they handled him. Actually, I was very impressed with um, what his engineer and then actually Toto Wolf did say. They just said kind of get your head down. It's not going to be investigated, um, and they seem to kind of give the impression they agreed with the fact that it wasn't being um, penalised and stuff like that. And and I, I think that kind of stayed the ship. And I think yeah. The safety car thing, I, I don't know what you said about it, Nigel, because I was fiddling with a dog. Oh, God, that's an awkward sentence. I was... <laughs> that's going on the best bits next year. If yeah, of course it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that seems to be a bit hard on Perez, in my opinion, mm. because everything that's come out is an FIA hardware issue. Yeah. And George being able to kind of just have a bit more left in his delta, meaning he could just accelerate earlier. It was complete luck. Like every, anyone yeah. who's played the F1 game will understand why do it do that. Anyone who's not played the F1 game, it's a bit difficult to explain like why do it accelerate and break it and going at racing speed and going at walking speed. Uh, but yeah, basically Russell, you try to get momentum. You want to be on, on the throttle for as long as possible when it's about to when the virtual safety car ends and it goes back to green uh, and like you said Freddie basically we got it for us twice as long as it should have been because of, a ha- because of a hardware problem and it was just pure luck that Russell happened to preempt it uh, but it paid off so you know it paid off yeah and to be honest if it is luck that you're, you're trying those things out for the luck anyway mm-hmm. and the million times in in uh, a million it doesn't work I don't know what I'm saying there. The, the 99 times out of 100, it doesn't work. But the one time it does, you look like a hero. But you don't look like a non-hero when you just try it anyway. So um, it's, it's fair enough. It's the right tactic to employ. And it worked out. And I think it, if it hadn't worked out, Russell would have fallen way back because the Merck struggles to heat up his tyres. And Perez's late race pace after giving, having an opportunity to cool down his tyres was excellent after that. Mm. I think he was just really struggling with the way this car is working at the moment on the tyres. He's been very open about that and the team have been a little bit um, coy, but to the extent of not denying the way the car's moving towards Verstappen. So, um, not, not this, we've had this debate before. <laughs> yes, I know we've had this debate before, but it's also the debate because it's what's yes. happening. Um, and that's fair enough because he's the one leading the championship by a million, million, billion and it's how you make the car faster. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's just leading, leaning against one driver, it seems, just because of the way it works. And that's a bit of a shame, but obviously Perez was nowhere this weekend in comparison on race pace in comparison to Verstappen. I think he actually did a very good job in qualifying to get that close um, because he wasn't at all that close at any other stage this weekend. Mm. I think a third place would have been excellent for him, but I think the fourth place was more kind of representative for him this weekend. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, but then we get on to someone who could probably have been fourth or third, 
um, who is fifth with the fastest lap point, which is obviously the reason why he is in that position because he got a fastest lap point, Carlos Sainz. And Carlos Sainz, who represents the um, Ferrari strategy <laughs> team who don't actually watch Formula One. I've got, I'm sick to death of Ferrari strategy. It's a good thing we didn't do this podcast yesterday because yeah. uh, I would have been punching my laptop or something. Uh, but it's just, I have, how could they be, how could he read the race so wrong? This is like their paid job, Ferrari. And they just, the strategy, it's a strategy team. I just don't know what they're thinking. They couldn't have put science in a worse position. It was just so kind of half hearted what they did. Like, you know, he pitted. Uh, for mediums because of the safety car, ironically, because of Leclerc's crash, <laughs> his, his teammate. The front jack man, for some reason, doesn't uh, get out, doesn't uh, release the car quick enough, so then he gets a five-second time penalty, which causes this mess. And then, it, for them to think, if so then they have two options. They either risk it, you know, try and get, make it to the end on, on the mediums, which it looks like he was going to do, because and then he got past Perez, so he might as well risk it because he could have got a podium. Or you try to maximise the final stint length by pitting for medias with 15 or 20 laps to go, not nine laps to go. It's just it's just mind-boggling. Like, how can it be so bad? It is like this literally should hire you or me. Like, like it's just it doesn't make any sense. A bit that pressure on us. Um <laughs> So it doesn't make sense, and it feel, it's okay to strategize on the fly, but don't strategize on the fly for five laps ago, because it's you got to look ahead, and they 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 look behind too much, in my opinion. I I just back in Maranello, they're making a fantastic car, and it's being run on the racetrack by. Fantastic people, but this is just... what I meant by change the strategists. This is exactly what they've got to train, change yeah. it, all of them, get rid of them all, get rid of them all tomorrow, and bring a whole new line. Like they might as well because it's unacceptable, it's completely un- it's embarrassing. That's what it is. In absolutely embarrassing. the basics of strategy, it's not even complicated. This thing, it's just about looking at the stint length, looking at the tires. They've got all the data there as well. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Oh yeah, it is. It is. It's mad. And to call science in when you've left him out so long, he's felt like what he has to do is to do it on track when he could have just sat there and waited to come in. But he gets into, and now he's just like, oh well, now I come in. What a waste of time. And that's just a, annoying. And I mean, they probably would have finished only fifth and. With, with this five-second penalty, but they thought, you know what, it's better to put him behind five cars and make him overtake them because then he'll get a fastest lap point, maybe. Oh, I just found that just a bit too risky and older strategy. Just at least go for um podium on track and be at least around that fight because even whatever happens, something could happen. Yeah, And, and I think my biggest problem is it's not a one-off thing. If this happens once or twice a season, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. But it's just happened so many times this year. Yeah. You know, look at, you know, this isn't even thinking about the engine problems that they've had recently as well. Monaco was just as bad as this with Leclerc uh, as well. So it's just, it's just so, so frustrating. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, totally. And, 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 and they've got, 
I just don't know why it's happening. I, I, is it pressure? Is it is it something else? Because they are smart people, obviously. That's why they're doing their jobs. But it it can't be pressure though, because I I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't think know. we can easily come up with a with a solution for the for um with an answer even. To I hope they can though. Like if because if they can't, then they might as well forget it and give up. No, I think they just need to think. <laughs> That's all I can kind of come up with. And it just pains me to even think about them having to think. Mm. Like they, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because I'm like, they're very good at sticking to their guns. And once in a blue moon, it works, like Austria. But And who knows, it probably would have worked with Leclerc this weekend. But they're just, I don't know, they have all these plan A, plan B, plan D, plan E, plan F, plan Q. But, you know, you can't always stick to a pre-prepared plan. No. And if you're going to be planning on the fly, you have to think about the race. You can't think about just one lap time on lap 48 that someone else did. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the impression I get. I don't know if I'm being too kind of blasé with it, but yeah, that's the impression I get. And now I want to move on and never yeah. speak about them again. Um, because we should probably talk about the fact that it's, Probably the last French Grand Prix for the foreseeable. Yes, I think it is. Uh, it's it's one of them, isn't it? Me and Adam talked a little bit about it in the preview. How yeah, you know, for me, I've said this when we did our Las Vegas announcement episode thing back in what was that April, March, or oh, it was a while ago, wasn't it? Now, but April, April, because the season is yeah, April. Yeah, I said in in that episode that uh, the problem with Las Vegas and China returning and Qatar returning next year. Spa and France or Monaco, one of them or two of them are going to drop. And for me, I'd rather keep all of them, quite frankly, rather than have Las Vegas. And this is what we're seeing play out. We don't know about Spa yet, but yeah, it doesn't like this is going to be the last French Grand Prix. And the thing is, you got two drivers at the moment on the current grid, Ocon and Gasly from France. The FIA is French, it's got a history of having the first <laughs> Grand Prix. It's got Alpine, you know, French team. So there's a lot going for it. Yes, the track isn't the best, but there's a lot of kind of attachments to it. And I quite like that for a Grand Prix. So in that there is a, way, there is I'm a bit disappointed. But... The words that are coming out of it is that Manicourt is being spoken to, as is a, a Nice street track and even conversations in Paris and also uh, the Bugatti circuit at Le Mans, which I think would be interesting. Um, to say the least, it's, it's good for MotoGP. Um, I think it would be really weird seeing Formula One cars down the start finish straight at Le Mans, let's be honest. Um, for us, motorsport anorax, yes. but I think I don't think Formula One's not coming back to France anytime soon. I think the rotation calendar will fit in very nicely, and I think we're just gonna have to put up with having Magni Core one year and Spa the other. Um, yeah, and I mean, I quite like both tracks. I think Spa is a bit better for a race, but these new cars could work quite well at Manicor. Who knows? Um, but that's a conversation for when the winging it F1 podcast is old and grey. Um, <laughs> because for, now the winging it F1 podcast is young and fresh and is going to talk about that modern hip, definitely not stuck in the Middle Ages politically country that is Hungary. Woo! Yes, we're back to Hungary, the site of one of last year's 
most hectic, crazy Grand Prix, and one of my favourite tracks on the calendar. Let's be honest, I really like the Hungara Ring. Which tracks don't you like, Freddie? <laughs> I don't. Let's not go into that because I do. <laughs> um, I think there are a lot of meh tracks, but anyway, I really, I do just really like the Hungara Ring. Um, and the name's great. It's called the Hungaro Ring. Come on. Um, but anyway, <sighs> Nigel, you 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 kick us off because. You think Lewis Hamilton's going to win? Is that based on previous record? Uh, no, it's based on because I said it after Silverstone about two or three weeks ago, and I stand by it because I—that's what I do with F1. I'm a bit when it comes to F1, I'm stubborn. When I'm when it's not F1, I'm not stubborn. I'm just stupid. I don't think you're very uh, stubborn. I think you're way less stubborn than most people, most fans. Yeah, I'm just a bit thick. Well, uh, anyway, I—I <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- I think. Yes, Mercedes was still half a second or so away in France, but there's something about the change of direction on the car that I think will work well in the middle sector. And the biggest weakness of the Mercedes is obviously the straight line speed because of a mixture of the drag and the aero and the power unit. And obviously, Budapest is one of the least power sensitive circuits on the whole calendar, probably third or fourth least power sensitive, I'd, I'd have thought. Uh, it's Maybe, getting more yeah. power sensitive because the corner I think all tracks are, though, aren't they? Um, I don't know what these cars are going to be. I don't know whether these cars are going to make it really mechanically downforce sensitive yeah. now, which I yeah. think is really cool to see. Mm. But I, I just think, I don't know, I, I think if there's a bit of rain there as well, I've just got a feeling. It's going to be hot. Oh, it's going to be hot. It still might rain though, because you never know. When you yeah. went in 2018, it suddenly rained from nowhere, didn't it? So yeah, it did. It I can, noticed it in the grandstand. So I know. I'll just for once, I can't explain it. It's just a feeling. And usually, when it comes to F1, I can give a you know a decent explanation. But I, I think the ingredients are there for Mercedes, and if they bring an upgrade and it works, then. I think something could happen. And turn one and turn two is quite tight as well. So on the opening lap, as we saw last year, it could get a bit feisty. I know last year was wet, but even if the Leclerc and the are battling, uh, you know, they could be they could get quite close. So there's that aspect as well. So I just think there's a lot of variables which, if they come together, Hamilton can keep up his streak of winning every season that he's competing in. I think it's set up to be an interesting one. I'm not going to throw in any crazy predictions because I don't know what how a tool is going to work out. I would probably only say that I think Ferrari could go quite well there. It should be one two Ferrari. On paper, it should be one two yeah. Ferrari. And that's why I think something weird's going to happen. <laughs> um, so we'll have to wait and see. It's it's going to be a really interesting one, I think. And I think these new cars, I think Hungary is going to be a really interesting track to see them at in a way that, um, like the Imola sprint race was. I think Hungary is going to be a really interesting one to see as a dry trial. Um <laughs> So, to be honest, I get excited by that kind of thing. Um, just seeing, like, ooh, how's it going to be? How are they going to be in the final corner in comparison to last year? <laughs> um, where it was very tricky to be able to follow. But let's see. I think it'll be very interesting. I think people will be surprised at how good the fighting is. Um, I hope they are, bloody hell. But anyway... Um, we don't have anything more to add on this podcast no, now. I, we... I think the, mid, the midfield was quite quiet. Well, they didn't show much of it from the start. Which they didn't show much of it because it was tense up front. But um, Yeah, exactly. Midfield, but... I think you had to... Let me do a rundown of it. You had yeah, very, very quickly, Alonso had a great race. Had a great, great start. And then 
control of it. Ocon moved up a few places as well. Even and with then, a penalty from a from a deserved penalty for it. Uh, yeah. Joe. Norris had a bit of debris stuck okay, in his. Order. Norris had a bit of debris stuck in his car at the end, but it didn't make a difference to his position. Then after that, it was the usual. Like there was no surprises really. There was a yeah. Stroll Vettel thing in the last lap, which was a bit Stroll Vettel thing. What did you make on it? Was it clever driving? Uh, no, on your teammate, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, yeah, it I was agree. a bit too much. It, it, over the limit. But it was kind of good defending, I think. I think maybe it was a little bit... I think maybe Vettel's line was a little bit too away from it, but I think parking the bus is kind of just normal defending. Yeah. Um, look at Perez in Abu Dhabi last year. Um, but it was a bit aggressive for the last lap of the, your team, which you don't get any points with. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anything else you want to add? Uh, Has sad. Uh, yes, yes, I forgot about that. Yes, uh, they should have Hass got sad. they should have got points this weekend. It's a shame Magnussen had to take a penalty because his pace was rocket worthy. Mm. Um, other than that, I think we've done a nice little quick rundown of people. Uh, yes. Joe deserved his five second penalty for punting Mick Schumacher. Um, who else exists? I can't remember. Too I've had, I've had too, there's been too much time in between now and the race. We've yeah, got work. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we're, we're going back to work now when this gets published. Yeah, we go back to work. God, it's six in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's, it's eight in the evening. Bloody hell. All right. Yes, we're going to sign off and you can enjoy this in your sub boxes when it's public. And we'll see you after the Hungarian Grand Prix where we enter the summer break and Max Verstappen has already clinched the World Championship. Have a good <laughs> evening, have a good day, wherever you are. And bye-bye.